The podcast you're about to listen to is part of the Professional Casual Network. To find more podcasts like this, please check out professionalcasual.com. I also want to give a quick shout out to our friends Alexa and Cynthia at the Within the Pages podcast where they talk about specifically YA fantasy, which is what we're talking about here, what we're telling here. They focus on reviews and kind of deep dives into YA fantasy. The third episode was a really cool one about just things that they had read or recommend or they were going to read soon, which was really cool to get an idea of what other things are out there if you're into fantasy and just cool stories. So yeah, check out Within the Pages with Alexa and Cynthia. Oh, hey, do you know what time it is? It's giveaway time. In preparation for the release of the New Mutants movie later this summer, The Space Between is covering issues 1 through 20 of the New Mutants comic from the 80s, written by Chris Claremont. In celebration of this, we're giving away a New Mutants epic collection, which includes Marvel graphic novel number 4, New Mutants numbers 1 through 12, Uncanny X-Men number 167, Marvel Team-Up Annual number 6, Magic numbers 1 through 4, and material from Marvel Team-Up number 100. This is a massive collection, and it can be yours. That's 20 issues in all. Check out our website, professionalcasual.com slash giveaways for details. There are seven ways to enter. Yeah, seven. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for one entry each. Back our Patreon and submit a review on Apple Podcasts for five entries each. And review the Professional Casual Network on Facebook or ask a question of our advice show, Professionally Asked, Casually Answered, for three entries each. Remember, you have to go to professionalcasual.com slash giveaways to get started. If you do all that while you're just farting around on your phone, that's a total of 19 total entries you can get to win this sweet comic collection. Get going. The winner will be announced on July 31st. Welcome back to Big Fiction Energy. We're on to episode 13. I feel like something bad's going to happen this time. I mean, can we really get worse than the last couple chapters? 13? You couldn't have skipped chapter 13? Like a hotel? skip chapter 13. Hotels skip floor 13. Yeah, but they have like a way more, I mean, not many more floors, but. How many floors does Big Fiction Energy have? (laughs) 20. Okay. So we'll see. Is it going to get worse? Is it unlucky 13? Or is it just another number? I don't know. I'm mm. like Michael Scott. I'm a little stitious. I'm not superstitious. I'm a little stitious. Just a little. <laughs> fair. Totally fair. After the hammer blow after hammer blow of, of bad things happening. Yeah. Is We're kind of down and out, man. I don't, Chapter we're, 13 is called we're, Tales. We're really in a recession of happiness. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. At Tales at T-A-L-E-S. I was going to say, I'm noting the spelling on this, not like... A dog's tail. Right. But like, I'm telling you a tail. Maybe I should have spelled it T-A-I-L-E-S just to be like, I don't know which one it is. That makes no sense. It's like, are you trying to spell tamales? I don't, (laughs) tiles. Who knows? I can't tell. Sometimes my spelling is so bad that autocorrect is like, what are you, what? (laughs) Doesn't even have a, it just has like the lines under it that say it's wrong, but it doesn't have suggestions because it's like, I don't know what you're trying to do here. It's kind of like that rant I go on a lot about the price of 10-piece chicken nuggets at McDonald's against 20-piece chicken nuggets. Uh, you, you should go with the 20-piece because it's to less than the other one. To less is tails. 
Right. Yeah, I get it. That's a great visual joke for a podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, obviously, they're reading along in the book while listening to the podcast so that they can critique how we say words. Obviously, we're saying them the right way. Right. Because <laughs> when they go to, you know, the link in the show notes uh, or on professionalcasual.com to be able to pick up a, a paperback copy of the book, they're they're obviously buying that so they could follow along each week. Yeah, 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 yeah. They should be doing that. Yeah. yeah Speaking hopefully. of which, shout out one of my students who just graduated in June. She sent me a message on Facebook because we can be friends now. And her mom picked her up a copy of Lanny, she ordered a paperback copy as a graduation gift oh, because that's she listens cool. to the podcast. Super so awesome! Yeah, she's fantastic. So shout out to her. Oh, Thanks. now she doesn't Danny's even listen to the podcast. former students' anymore. mom yeah. for buying the book. Yeah. So that's really exciting, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Well, hopefully, people will, even if they buy the book and read it, they can they'll still tune in. Yeah. For things like our question for this episode. Yes. It's a good one. He would not tell I. I tried every trick in the book to get him to tell me what the question was so you that I could prepare. That's, that's every trick in the book. A, you were like, well, what is it? And I was like, I'm not going to tell you. Come and you were on. like, all right, man, we are how many months into spending every day together? That's all I've got to get. That's all I've got to give. I'm sorry. You wouldn't tell me. And I was like, I could prep ahead. And instead of having 20 answers, I could have seven. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't tell me. <laughs> Still too many. Oh, I was actually going to go first this time. All right. We're kind of taking turns of who's answering first. Okay. So the question is who is your favorite Star Wars character. Ugh. So mine... This is... <laughs> so you got, I figured you, you would need a minute. Both of you would need a minute to think about yes. it. So I'll talk. Mine is Ahsoka Tano. Ugh. She was Anakin's Padawan. I don't know what you have against her, but I think she's a cool character. Um, she is celebrated for doing the same things that An- Anakin was um, regularly scolded and then told he couldn't be a Jedi for. What? Like what? Like rebelling constantly using his intuition and you know making actually good reasonable decisions in situations that would cause the savior of lives over disobeying direct orders i mean i don't think that's what he 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 was like in trouble for having a wife and then children and putting those feelings they didn't know about that clouding everything else yeah i know they should have but whatever but i like ahsoka um laney's kind of indirectly um, influenced by Ahsoka. She does have those two big tentacles coming out of her head so that I can see the resemblance. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not physically, but I like her character a lot. She's only in the Clone Wars cartoon and then she's in Rebels a bit and she has her own book called Ahsoka, Um, which I liked a lot. So after going on like a long walk or something, I generally like to Ahsoka my feet. Uh, nice. She's a Togruda, if you didn't know. Oh, E.K. Johnson is the author of that book. I read that in like a week, which is really fast for me. Yeah, that's incredibly fast. So I am what one would call a casual Star Wars fan where, you know, I didn't (laughs) seriously. I didn't grow up on Star Wars movies. I really got into them more when the three like the prequel ones came out back when we were in middle school and then you know dan had me watch all of them and since then we've watched all like the the other movies and stuff never really got into the cartoons like you did haven't read any of the books i'd have to say i can't pin down one character you that gotta. i like no nope. no nope, i'm not I'm gonna make you no you can't yeah i'm also not gonna pin it down to one so <sighs> you're the out. worst at no these. i have a grouping though it'll make sense 
whole grouping? Yep. Are you going to like tier them? These are my S tier characters. These are my A tier characters. No, just legit. I like the droids. Okay. Fair. Like BB-8, C-3PO, R2-D2, um, the other one. K2SO. K2SO. Yes. Everybody loves K2SO. Yes. He's so good. Um, what about the one from Solo? I forget what that one is. I'm looking up a list of Star Wars characters uh, nice. right now. So I could have it. It's an L337. Nice. Oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah. How did we forget I that? I don't remember that. Yeah. Um, no, I love the role that the droids play. They're excellent supporting characters and they really help a lot with the story, even though they're not as glamorous as like Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. Um, Who's as glamorous as Harrison Ford, though? Oh, God. He was than maybe so Fisher. cute. Oh, my God. Young. Harrison Ford is a stone cold fox. I'm sorry. Um, but I really just love the droids and, and the interplay, especially between like R2-D2 and C-3PO <laughs> and like how they work together. It's just so funny. And they bring so much to it. And like, you know, R2-D2, BB-8, like they're nonverbal. And yet they can still drive so much of the story without even having to say anything. Is so, it nonverbal but, when they just speak a different language? Well, like they're like beeps and boops. Your language just... A linguist? No, the opposite. Like, like racist the, against people oh, that speak a different language. I thought you were going to say like a she linguist. was a really smart wordsmith. Like she was a, like a cunning linguist. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you like the droids. I like right? the droids as a, as a whole. Yes. All right, Tim, you've had plenty of time. Yeah, I'm having issues <laughs> narrowing it down. Probably should have told you this three weeks ago and maybe you'd have an answer. Yeah, you, I, I that's not been, fair. Been able to boil it down to 15 at that point. No. K2SO is way up there. Yeah, he's yeah. awesome. Uh, so is Jin uh, from Rogue One. Yeah, if you're not um, aware, oh. K2SO is the security droid from Rogue One, voiced by Alan Tudyk, who's amazing. Um, so funny. And uh, I have probably never said his name right. The blind monk from Rogue One also. Chirrut mm. in Chirrut. Yeah. yeah. He's Chirrut. cool. Uh, I like him. I like uh, him Darth Maul's rad. Darth Vader's rad. Uh, <laughs> pretty much all the edgelord characters. I actually really like Kylo Ren a lot. Really? Especially, yeah, like a ton. Uh, that's, that's especially in the first two um, of the Skywalker saga. Um, I felt he had some of the best character development. He portrayed the dark side, how it had always been talked, talked about talked about Tark. um instead of just being like i don't know he lost his temper in incredible ways yeah. he really leaned into to the rage aspect and the and the emotional aspect probably more than any other uh sith character that we've seen oh totally um obviously dealt with with struggles the the han solo scene with him at the end of the first movie there uh was so well done i i heavily enjoyed it adam driver is a fantastic actor so yeah 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 yep. he was great choice there but well, all the other edgelord characters too boba fett and like all yeah, that oh, boba yeah. fett. he would have been my favorite a few years ago Watto's also way up there Watto, really <laughs> yeah i'm a Tordarian. my tricks don't work on me yeah i loved that <laughs> Watto was one of the better parts of episode one for sure uh, Lily and I were discussing this. We went on a walk last week when I decided on this question and I was uh, talking to her about it and we both agreed that Tim was going to say Darth Vader. So at least you listed him in there. So we're right. Yeah. Yeah. We were right. Uh, I mean, he he doesn't portray a lot of the aspects that I like in a, in a developed evil character, um, at least in the original trilogy. But I mean, he's up there. He's just not. 
He's just cool because he's Darth Vader. Right. All right. Well, that was a little bit easier than I, I thought. Yeah. Wasn't a 25 minute discussion like last episode, which obviously is not necessary every time. So we're going to jump into chapter 13 here. Tales. Lainey collapsed against the base of a tree, breathing hard. She watched Brutus lay Ronan down gently in the grass. The old man was still out. His efforts of the night and morning sapped all of his strength. Cass landed next to Lainey, put her head back, closed her eyes, and took a deep breath. <sighs> that was a lot of running. <sighs> Do you think it was enough? Ronan isn't awake yet. He's unhurt. I think he's just overtaxed from his magics. Brutus knelt over Ronan's prone form, checking him over. Brutus was breathing just as hard as the young girls, his fur shone with sweat. The four had stopped their flight in a small copse of trees a few leagues north of the ruins. Luckily, Cass thought to grab a few bags of supplies in their haste to leave, and Lainey had the pack she put on her after she woke. Lainey looked around as she caught her breath and took a drink of water from the skein Cass handed her. If they weren't currently running for their lives, she would consider this a beautiful area. The flatlands, as Cass had explained they were in, was a fertile region filled with streams, rivers, small forests, and a shocking amount of hills and valleys. The area where they chose to stop was a collection of about a dozen leafy trees next to the river they'd been following for the entire morning. The sun was high in the sky, warming the valley they were in to a point that heat exhaustion and dehydration were a real threat. Brutus called the halt Brutus called the halt to cool down and drink some water. He also hoped Ronan would wake in the shade as the old man was getting heavy even for Brutus. The big minotaur crashed to the ground on the other side of Lanny, making her practically jump out of the way. He was right. Who was right about what? Give me some context, man. Ronan was right to flee. No one's arguing. I could see it on your face. You did not want to retreat. Lanny looked Brutus in the eye for a moment, trying to decide if she had the energy. Trying to decide if she had the energy to argue. We were winning. We could have taken them. Ronan was nurking them up. You were beating up that weird one, and Cass and I were nearly to the Void Wielder. He would have been toast with my Tonto. Uh, you can't know that for sure. Your blade seemed to pierce his magics, but who knows how skilled he was hand to hand. He could have been as good as the other one with that wicked blade. Yeah, and I don't think Brutus was doing as well against Garl as you think. I hate to admit it, but Cass is correct. Garl was actually quite a lot stronger than I am. I was moments away from ending up like that. Brutus stopped himself when he saw Cass's face lose color. He realized he was not being very respectful of the dead, someone who was close to Cass. The young girl got up and walked to the river to watch the water flow by. Mm, I'll have to apologize later. I spoke very much out of turn. I hope she knows I was not trying to make light of the events of last night, just that we were in mortal danger. I'm sure she knows. Lainey said, putting a hand on Brutus's shoulder. This is going to take a while for her to process. She just lost everyone. Yes, unfortunately, it's all too common of an occurrence out here. Ronan surprised the two by speaking before either of them realized he was awake. The old man got up slowly, rising to his knees. Brutus moved to help him, but Ronan waved him away. This will be a hard time for Cass, for all of us. But I can tell Cass is strong and will recover from this swiftly. She must, for in the wilds, distraction can, and most certainly will, mean death. I should go talk to her. I think she needs some time alone. Give her some time. She will let us know when she wants to talk, and we will be there for her. The three sat in silence a moment, listening to the wildlife around them. So what can't you do? 
Laney broke the quiet with a pointed question at Ronan. The old man chuckled in response. <laughs> what do you mean? I am very old and have mastered many skills. With your magic and your swords and everything, how can you do all that? As I said before, it's not magic. Not really. There's some magic in this world, but not like what I wield. I alone have access to the gifts of the sprites. Oh yeah, you mentioned that last night. Laney said, her eyebrows knitting together in confusion. I've never heard of sprites before you. Nor I. I wouldn't expect you to have. I'm the last of their worshippers. They're gods? We were only ever taught about Greymelkin in school. He's the Lord of the Void. While that is correct, your schooling did a lot of lying by omission. What do you mean? They weren't telling us everything? I'm sure they left out much in your history classes. Ever heard of the Elven Civil War? Laney shook her head no in response. How about the enslavement of the gnomes? Laney shook her head and asked. What's a gnome? That one doesn't surprise me. Most of the world didn't know about that until much later. Gnomes are the sprites of the earth and ground. Ronan saw the looks of bewilderment, but excitement on the two faces across from him. Is that how you made the hole in the ground to trap the mongers? Yes. Moving the earth has always been difficult for me, but I'm able to use it when the need is dire. I don't think it will hold them forever, but it will give us time to get away. Ronan paused to take a drink from the water skin. What about the water, and the fire to heal, and the air you use to shove the monger? Are there sprites for all that, too? Laney moved closer to Ronan, eager to know more. Yes, I will tell you all about it when we make camp tonight. Cass deserves to hear this as well. Laney, please tell her, gently, that it's time to move on. We should head north as far as we can before nightfall. Hopefully the mongers won't know what direction we're to travel in and we'll have lost our tracks. I highly doubt that. I cannot help but leave deep tracks. Fair enough. All the more reason to make haste until the end of the day. Laney got up and walked over to the rushing river where Cass stood looking south, watching the water flow by. Laney knelt near her to fill the water skin. Uh, Ronan said we should continue on. Oh, good idea. We should get as much ground between us and their... I mean, them as possible. Laney saw her friend was hurting, but she didn't know what to do to help. Laney never lost anyone in her life like Cass did this morning. Her entire family, blood-related and otherwise, were all killed before her eyes. They died because those mongers were chasing Laney. Laney knew it. She hoped against everything that Cass did not know it as well. The sun fell behind the horizon far to the west. The quartet all collapsed to the ground. They had found a secluded spot in a hollowed-out fallen tree facing north, perfect for lighting a fire that could not be seen from the south, if the mongers were in pursuit already. I'll catch us something for dinner. Cass picked up a small bow she had snatched when they left the ruins. Should be able to get a small deer or something before it's too dark. Don't worry about me, Brutus said as he grabbed a large handful of grass and began munching. Cass nodded before she left the camp at a brisk trot. Then he began building a fire and setting up lean-tos with Ronan and Brutus. She reflected on how much she had already learned out in the wilds. The three were tired enough that conversation was limited to how they would create the shelters and how to make the fire. Laney noticed Ronan was moving slowly. Take a break, old man. We've got this. Ronan nodded and sat by the fire. He crossed his legs and closed his eyes. Laney assumed he was doing some kind of meditation. She had to do something similar at school whenever she got in trouble, which was often. Laney and Brutus finished constructing their shelter, adding to the roots of the dead tree. They had added sticks and long grasses to the mess of roots sticking out of the fallen tree to extend the shelter. 
Sky was clear, but storms were known to flit across the flatlands without warning, especially at night. The shelter was meager, but would keep them from getting soaked in case of a light rain. Cass returned just as Lanny and Brutus were dusting off their hands, admiring their work. The young woman had brought back a small canine creature, similar to a wreck, the size of a small dog. The creature was gray and had no skin on its head, the bones bare to the elements. Nighthounds don't make the best meal, but meat is meat. She dropped the body near the fire. She pulled out a skinning knife and got to work. Now's as good a time as any, isn't it? Lainey asked as she sat next to Cass. For what? Cass said as she sliced her knife under the skin of the nighthound. Well, what Ronan knows. Oh, what's that mean? Old man knows more than how to wield that sword? Didn't you see his magic? Oh, yeah. Cass said with a twinkle lightning in her eyes, something Lainey realized had been missing all day. How in the world did you do all that? I'll try to keep it simple, but I will not lie to you. And I will answer any question you have. At the end. Ronan held up a finger towards Lanny as she opened her mouth to ask a question already. She closed her mouth and nodded. To begin, there were five sprites who created this world. Sancho, the great salamander. Nyad, the nymph queen. Ariel, the lady of the sylphs. Barbagazi, the king of the gnomes. And finally, Greymelkin, the lord of the void, as you called him, Lanny. Long ago, these five created our world, and each was responsible for a part of it. Barbagazi started by crafting the shape of the land, the valleys, and crags. He was a particular fan of mountains, so our world is rife with them. Some say he never finished building and our world goes on forever in all directions. Nyad came next and filled in many of the great expanses of the water, creating our oceans, lakes, and rivers. Ariel gave us air to breathe and wind to enjoy. Finally, Sancho gave us fire and used that to create life to enjoy the creation. Greymelkin, all the while, was planting seeds of the unknown, for Greymelkin did not want a part of creation. He was content in the void, his own realm. He snuck out at times to pervert the creations of the other four, jealous of their powers and unbridled creativity. Greymelkin built fear into the hearts of living things. This fear he feeds on. He swore he would take over the world of his brothers and sisters, and has essentially achieved that. Partly because of me. I'm getting ahead of myself, though. Ronan stopped and took a drink of water. Cass got back to prepping the nighthound. She had forgotten what she was doing while listening to the old man talk. She never heard this tale either. Greymelkin stealthily fit his unknowns into everything the other four created. This unknown and fear caused the sentient races, such as ourselves, to hole up in cities and walled villages. For a time, this worked well. People kept safe, prospered. It wasn't long before Grey Malcolm was able to perverse Sancho's life and make his parody of it, the demons. We call them different names, but the children of the Void are most commonly known as orcs and goblins. Jork is not a demon. Jork's a good man. A good orc. Tears were welling in her eyes and Ronan knew he hit on some kind of connection to her past. I'm sorry, Lanny. I'm not insinuating anything personal. Just telling you how things are. Brutus put a hand on Lanny's shoulder to help calm her. He didn't say all orcs weren't, are inherently evil or anything, just that their origins are different from ours. Does that mean mom and dad were right about them? Lainey looked up into Brutus's eyes, hoping he would tell her no. I don't know. Let's keep listening. Thank you. With the advent of the, de- the void spawn, Greymilkin hit something even more insidious in Sancho's life. Greymilkin hit the potential for any living thing to become an ogre, a creature of near immeasurable physical power. I trust you've all encountered, or at least know of, ogres. The other three nodded their heads. Lainey thought about pretending to be an ogre. Cass had run from more than one in her time in the wilds. 
that he know how powerful this foresight of Grey Melkins was to create the potential of something so destructive. The ogres were to be his ultimate plan unleashed. During his attempt to overtake all of the sprites for creation, ogres were to lead the charge. Fortunately, he was stopped before he could enact his final spell to turn many creatures into ogres. No one knows how this final spell was kept from completion, only that in the darkest hour of the old age, the swarm of ogres never happened. They weren't needed, unfortunately. Ronan stopped talking, staring into the fire. Cass rigged up a spit quickly for the night hound and began roasting the meat, waiting for Ronan to continue. Lanny and Brutus watched the old man, wondering if he had fallen asleep. Again, I'm getting ahead of myself. My past failings have nothing to do with this tale. That will be for another night. For this story is taxing enough, and I'm tired. Sprites knew that Grey Melkin had invaded their work, so they joined together to fight him. Ironically, they did this by splitting up their essences. Each of the four divided up their powers into smaller beings that inhabited our world. Sylphs flitted through the air, nymphs splashed in the waters, salamanders roamed the earth and inhabited volcanoes, and gnomes lived deep in the ground, closely entwined with the dwarves. Each of these beings were their own entities, but they were all tied together with the rest of their kind. These sprites could gift powers to those they found worthy. Some needed a human or a primal or whatever their race to prove themselves before the gift was bestowed. Others gifted more on a whim. I was lucky to make friends with many who were gifted in this way, as I was, as I am. I'm the last gifted by the sprites, for they are all but powerless now. Why are they powerless? Did they all die? All of their physical manifestations have been destroyed as far as I've seen, and I've seen far. Their essence survives, for they did create this world, and it lives in me. I have the powers of all four of the sprites. Their powers are driven by belief. As fewer and fewer people believed in the sprites over the long years since my failure, their power dwindled, and their gifts stopped working for all but me. As far as I know, I am the only living thing left in this world that can control the elements. But it does not have to be that way. Uh, what do you mean? Cass asked, handing out pieces of meat to Lanny and Ronan. Can others still receive these gifts? There are no more sprites to give out these blessings as they used to be called. I alone have that power. Again, Ronan stared into the fire while he and the others ate. Ronan was quiet for some long minutes. <sighs> I am old. You would be amazed to know how old. And I know... It is only having the four blessings that keeps me alive long past my time. I would like to pass on my gifts, but I fear bestowing even one elemental power to anyone would kill me, and then the rest would be lost. I do not feel my time is up. My job is not done. For now, I'll be the guardian of the sprites, the only watcher remaining. I hope this has not upset you too much. I don't want you to die. I only just met you, and clearly we all have a lot to learn from you. I'd love to shoot fire out of my hands or something, but I don't think losing all of your wisdom and experience could be worth that. Well said, Lanny. So these gifts are powered by belief? Cast asked slowly before taking another bite of her meat. Yes, so they are. So if we three believe in the sprites, we could triple your power. I'm not sure it quite works like that, but I suspect it would increase, yes. Well, then I believe. Me too. As do I. I knew there was more to this world than what we were taught in Gaul. While I appreciate it, it might not be that easy. I'm sure everybody helps, though. The old man chuckled. While inside, he had never been so happy and full of hope. Not in over a thousand years.
The night passed without incident. Cass took the first watch and the rest took their turns. The other three agreed to let Ronan sleep through the night. He had done enough to help them since he met them. The extra sleep did wonders for Ronan. The next day he was moving at much quicker pace, at times joking with Brutus to hurry up. The group did not keep the same breakneck pace as the day before. No sign of the mongers through the night gave them all confidence that they had lost them or had a significant lead. Who knew how long it would take them to get out of that pit, if they were ever able to. Slower pace of the day allowed more conversation to take place. So where do void wielders like Orthol was get their powers from? Cass asked soon into their journey that morning. Same place as the others, from the sprites. But doesn't Greymelkin control the void? Yes, but you forget Greymelkin is a sprite. He's a sprite of the unknown, the yet to be discovered. His job was just as important, for without the unknown there can be no curiosity, no discovery or invention. Unfortunately, Greymelkin twisted this to focus on the fear of the unknown, and used that fear to gather power over millennia. The rest were quiet, thinking about what Ronan said. Cass couldn't help but think of her uncle Orthol. He was a void wielder. Cass always thought he was a strange man with strange abilities, but she only ever saw him use those abilities to help others. Orthol was nothing but kind to her, but he was but was he hiding something all these years? Was Orthol evil? He was a void wielder, like that monger at the ruins. Ronan stopped and looked Cass directly in the eye. No, I'm sure he wasn't. You would have seen that. Just because someone can access the void and use it in our realm doesn't mean they're evil. As I said, Greymel can twist his own powers to work that way. Someone like Orthol could draw upon aspects of the void that are not full of fear. I wish I knew this friend of yours, as he would have been very interesting to talk to. I am very sorry for your loss. The group continued on in silence for some time, content with Ronan's answers for now. Lainey was shocked at how much the man knew. There were times she felt she could hardly fit all of her schooling, geometry, sciences, writing, reading, and social sciences in her head all at once, but Ronan clearly knew much about their world. Thinking on this made Lainey wonder something. Where are we going? To my home, Ronan said without turning or stopping. The path they were following was still parallel to the river, and they continued due north, getting further and further from their original destination. What about Frank and John? We were going to visit my family. The mongers know about that. They do not expect us to go this way. There is much more I need to teach you, and I can do it best in the safety of my home. After that, I can escort you wherever you want to go. How far is it? Why do you need to teach us more? Ronan sighed and stopped, turning to the three of them. <sighs> you three were right, and I can feel it. You all believe. I hardly told you anything, yet you believe, and I can feel the power of the sprites growing inside me. I want to take you to my home so we can discuss how to spread this. Maybe if the sprites grow strong enough, I can gift some of my powers to you three, and you can show the world the power of the sprites. I may be ancient, I may be powerful, but I'm still only one man. There's only so much I can do. But the three of you, you're so different. You come from different places, and you all believe. I've not felt like this in a long time. Ronan smiled a strangely sad smile, tears welling in his eyes. How old are you? Lanny. It's quite all right. I've been waiting for one of you to ask. I did not offer the information because truthfully, I, I do not know. I lost count around 120. I know that was hundreds of years ago. If I had to guess, I would say between 9 and 1100 years old. The other three looked at Ronan with mixed reactions of amazement, shock, and incredulity. Lanny's mouth hung open, her eyes wide. No way. That can't be possible. Sprites make the impossible possible. They did create our whole world. 
Ronan answered and held his arms out as if to show the proof of what he said was all about them. When you said you were old, I thought you meant like 60 or maybe 65. Even my da is, was only 34. Gas looked at her feet awkwardly. More than 20 times that, I'm sure. As I said, I've seen much of this world. The group continued on, following the dirt path by the river. Before along the road led them to the edge of a forest. Good, Ronan stated once they passed under the shadow of the leafy trees. I was hoping the river would lead us here. We're on the right track. This is a lot different than the forest by Gaul. That forest is pretty unique. The trees there are huge. No one knows why. The few forests I've seen are all more like this one. Lainey saw right away what Cass meant. The trees here were much smaller, shorter, and narrower. They were covered in large leaves, many of which were changing from green to orange, yellow, or red. Their trunks were dull gray instead of the brown the trees around Gaul were. Trees were spaced out a bit more, making the forest more welcoming than what Lainey had experienced so far. I agree. This is a more typical forest. It was once called the Forlorn Woods, but I don't think that really has a name anymore. I've only been here once or twice. It's a relatively peaceful place. We should be safe making our way through. Do not let your guard down, though. Things could very well have changed since I was last here. How long has that been? Oh, I have no idea. Ronan answered, running a hand over his long hair tied into a tight top knot. A decade? A hundred years? I can't keep track. I spent the last few hundred years in the flatlands, though, so I doubt it's been too terribly long. Lena went let out a low whistle, trying to wrap her head around someone living as long as Ronan has. She looked ahead to the looming forest and thought the name Forlorn Woods was a terrible moniker. I'm going to call this place Hope Springs after the river passing through here. She announced as the group stopped to fill their water skins at a fast-flowing spring. Oh, I like that better than Forlorn Woods. Sounds lovely. Brutus, do you object? Brutus shook his head and smiled. Hope Springs it is. I like the way you think, Lanny. Lanny smiled from ear to ear. She had never named something before. It was a fun feeling, like she did something important. The group continued on, chatting quietly together. Cass and Ronan were very interested in hearing about living in the city. Lanny didn't want to dwell on it. She insisted she had left that life, but Brutus nudged her to get her to talk. Ronan was enthralled by Lanny's descriptions of the huge buildings covered in glass and the concrete roads people had to walk on. It took some time to explain the technologies they had in the city. Cass had never even heard of electricity in her time traveling. Lainey wondered aloud how Cass had gotten about reading at night. Oh, I can't read. Oh man, that must suck. I'm sorry. Nah, we don't really have anything to read out here anyway. Dal always told the best stories at night. We just pass on what we know person to person, you know? It's more, uh, personal that way. Cass looked away at her stumbling of words, but Lainey knew what she meant. Passing down knowledge and stories orally was a time-worn tradition for the people beyond the walls, and Lainey could understand why. If they had written records of anything in the van, it was almost all lost. Lainey thought she remembered a few people fleeing the ruins when the mongers showed up. She hoped they survived. Things like books would be left behind first. They were heavy and not worth much while in the wilds, save as kindling. I can teach you sometime. Lainey offered as Brutus and Ronan walked a few paces ahead on the forest path. You think so? Cass said back, looking into Lanny's eyes. You think I could use it out here? Sure, we can find ways. Plus, do you want to live in the wilds your whole life? I hadn't really thought about it. Cass looked down at her feet again, thinking. I had never really thought about leaving Da's van. I guess I had just planned on being a bodyguard or bounty hunter. I never planned 
for life without him, you know? For now, I decided to just take it one step at a time. Live in the moment, you know? Yeah, I do. Lainey nodded and took Cass's hand. I never thought I'd leave the city until I decided I was going to. Sometimes life just sneaks up on you and hits you with things you'd never expect. I'm sorry, by the way. She squeezed Cass's hand when she apologized. Cass squeezed back. For what? Cass asked, her brows knit in confusion. It's my fault the mongers showed up and killed everyone. That's why I wanted to stay and fight them. It's my fault. I wanted to try to make it right. Get revenge. Cass looked away and was quiet for a few moments. I appreciate what you're saying. Cass said without looking at Lanny. I don't know what I can say right now. I know it's not really your fault. You didn't know they were after you. Would Da be alive right now if you weren't with us? Maybe. But maybe the Rotters came back in the morning and he would have died then. Out here, you can never tell what's going to happen. You can't take anything for granted. I had been taking my life for granted, even out here. From now on, I'm going to fight harder than ever to live my life. Cass looked up into Lanny's eyes. Thank you, Lanny. It's really big of you to say something, but it's not your fault. Lanny felt tears welling up behind her eyes. She did not expect Cass to accept her apologies so easily. She was surprised Cass wasn't furious with her, but apparently living in the wilds makes one pragmatic and too used to death. Lanny was pretty sure Cass wasn't telling the whole truth, though. She could still see the pain in her eyes, how her smile wasn't fully genuine. Not that she could blame her, though. Of course she wasn't over, over things yet. She had just watched everyone close to her get murdered. Lanny decided she would do whatever Cass needed to help her through this. Maybe having a goal now to spread the word of the sprites would give Cass the purpose she needed to accept what happened and move on in time. Hey, Tim. Hey, so I think Lanny had a, or um, I'm sorry, Cass had an incredibly important point mm. in this chapter. If it wasn't for Lanny, Dasta and all of his friends would still be alive. <laughs> I mean, like she's like Cass even argued that like maybe I you mean, never know what's going to happen out there. Probably. Definitely. You they, know, they wouldn't have lost people to the Renrex earlier from Brutus sleeping on the job. They wouldn't have, you know been attacked by marauders as easily because they would have been much further ahead because they weren't attacked by the Renrex from Brutus sleeping. They would have had more caravans and more people. Um, and, you know, then the marauders showing up and killing pretty much everybody. Yeah, pretty much everything's Lanny's fault. Yeah, she does kind of have like the specter of death following her. It Oof. seems like. Oh, is that Brutus's? <laughs> Brutus identity? is the specter of the death. Specter yeah. of death. <laughs> when they do, uh, you know, masked cage fights with wrestling he's the specter of death <laughs> wow i mean now lanny you gotta do a back to belly suplex here you're gonna take him out quickly <laughs> very legitimately the, a lot of those things probably would have gone the way you just said if it, if lanny and them weren't there unfortunate but that's just the way things happen to go that's just the way it is never gonna be the same you know, I don't know the next line. I love the development of the sprites, like that lore mm. with this and like the the literal world building. <laughs> yeah, the creation story. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I loved that in this chapter. That was very interesting. I like the sprites. I, I mean, obviously super important for everything in the world. But and I like how like the knee jerk reaction is that Gray Malkin is like and the void is just bad and it's like no but without that there would be no curiosity or invention so like the unknown 
Well, yes, that is typically scary. And most people, like if you're afraid of the dark, you're not actually afraid of the dark. You're afraid of what's unknown in the dark. Because I don't know about everybody else, but like our basement, when the lights are off, there are like ghosts and demons down here that just want to like cut my Achilles. They're tendon. not demons. <laughs> They're void born. Void born. <laughs> yes, there are so many void born. Like, I don't know. Have you seen the, what's that called? The Hill House, Haunting of Hill House. Not the TV show, but there's no. a movie and it's got. I have seen Home Alone with that really scary furnace though. Yeah, terrifying. Oh. There's like this like smoke demon ghost monster thing in that and it like originates in the basement and then like goes up through the whole house and it's so scary even to this day. And I saw that movie when I was like 14. So like, like 20 years ago. Alert. I mean, not really. No, it's oh, haunted. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's based on the book. The Haunting of Hill House. Oh. So haunting is in the title. Oh, yeah. so you already know there's a ghost. Yeah, it's got um, the chick who originally played Jean Grey. Fam, Fam Jensen. Yep, and the guy who played Barbosa in Pirates. Jeffrey Rush. Yep, it's got both of them. Nailed wow. It. And um, the guy from SNL who used to do the the monkey, Mr. Peepers. And he would like eat the uh, apple. Chris Catan. Yeah, it's got Chris Catan. Yeah, but like very me. minimal part. He's okay. a very annoying um, like groundskeeper. I mean, here's the good news. Uh, very annoying anything is right <laughs> like up Chris Catan's alley. <laughs> nailed it. Um, yeah, so that's... Um, but anyway, so yeah, the fear of the unknown, it's very common, especially for human nature. But without the unknown, like you said in this chapter, we wouldn't have invention. As a big fan of the void in general, I actually really liked the development around that quite a bit. I thought that was really important to include that the void isn't inherently evil, but Grey Melkin himself, like over time, twisted himself into the evil incarnation of the void. So that the entire void isn't an evil plane of existence. Yeah. Kind of a lot of it is. Like the experimentation that you do during college, part of the void. <laughs> The void, the void of college because you don't remember is that one? no 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 like because it's it's new and inventive and oh i see okay yeah for sure yeah yeah totally for sure and i i wanted to include something like that to show that like you could have evil void wielders like the monger that just killed dasta unprovoked yeah but then there's orthel as well who as far it was basically like an adventurer who was not evil he used void powers to do good or yeah. at least to survive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting that you asked the question that you did at the top of the episode about who our favorite Star Wars character was, where there's so much like you can use this power for good or for evil. Yeah. Like it's accessible both ways, like uh, the force and like. Yeah, I totally did that sword. on purpose. Absolutely. Look how deep that was. Right. Wow. I'm thinking ahead. Just layers upon layers in this. Like, like an ogre. Yeah. It's got layers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then you find a little bit more about why or how people turn into ogres mm. yeah it's a little tiny bit of the void in everybody and some people that turns into a physical manifestation i like that and that it was a corruption of the salamander's power and not just you know life I, on a long enough timeline ends up creating bad things pretty much the fact that ronan has not turned into an ogre is also probably a gift yeah, I think a lot of that is the fact that he has the four powers. Yeah, like he is the single most powerful thing on the planet as far as we know. I also super dig that if there was enough belief gathered around him that he could potentially almost completely rekindle that particular 
um, source of power. Mm. As we see, he has some, but we see he can't use it very much. It wears him out pretty quick. Like he did. Well, so he rested after the Marauder fight, but during the Mongers, he was sword fighting with somebody. He could turn a sword flaming, which Mm -hmm. is cool because the sword itself is blessed by the salamanders. He can Mm -hmm. just ignite it by thinking about it. And then he did that wind blast and then he opened up the big hole. Right. He said that using the gnome power is like extra taxing for him. And that's why he like passed out. So very specifically, I think everyone at some point in their life, or, or maybe it was just me, I've always dug elemental powers oh, pretty yeah. heavily. Mm. Um, elemental powers. And I've often thought about, well, well, which, which one would I want? Yeah. And I think it's important that if anyone has ever felt that way, um, obviously garnering belief behind this system can help distribute that system so that people can have it much like just donating a dollar or, or two to patreon.com slash professional casual. You can, uh, you know, strengthen Ronan uh, with a small donation of, a, of as little as a dollar a month to help give everyone else super cool superpowers. Yeah, I like I don't know where you're going at first, but I like I like how you <laughs> turn that into that little pitch. That's great. Yeah. So if you want to be able to shoot fire from your hands, you know what I mean? I, I mean, don't do it for that reason, because chances are that won't happen. But it might. You never know. You literally you, you won't never know, know until in, you do it. You never know yeah. what's in the void. Just throw money at it. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> Cass is getting over her dad's death pretty quickly. I feel personally uh, she should not be talking to Lanny at all because it's Lanny's fault. Lanny's like the Princess Leia of of this story where she's completely <laughs> responsible single-handedly for the oh, no, not all this. Uh, <laughs> so, no, this is a big Princess big... Leia could have prevented Alderaan from being destroyed and she chose not to uh, out of stubbornness just like Lanny doesn't want to eat her mush paste anymore at home so <laughs> all these people had to die. It's pretty much a direct correlation, I'm pretty certain. So I don't want to make this a, a big argument thing but real quick I just want to say that to, to counter what you say about Leia destroying Alderaan is that you don't know that if she had said Yavin 4 that Tarkin would have been like okay yeah I believe you let's go there now instead of and he would I think he would have blown up Alderaan no matter what Leia said. Was he having for like the actual rebel base? Yes. Oh, was it? Yeah. I didn't know that. So I, I think, <laughs> I think, you know, General Huxtable or whatever his name is. General was, Hux. Who was the actual guy that, the guy from that movie, they reanimated him in. General Tarkin. Or Tarkin. Grand Moff Tarkin. Grand Moff Tarkin. Seems like a pretty reasonable guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think if she was honest with him, they would have been like, oh, okay. Is this their base here? And she would have been like, yep. He's going to be like, okay, we'll just go in and arrest them and we will try them fairly. (laughs) And no one had to die. All right. So before I go on a tirade here about how I don't (laughs) agree with you at all about the Empire and Star Wars. (laughs) So, yeah, Cass is getting over the deaths relatively quickly. Seems very quickly. Almost out of survival. Right. Totally out of survival. And we'll it kind of we'll see how that makes more sense later on as well. Her adaptability is kind of important for her character. I don't want to give away too much, but it might seem at first that it's too fast, but again, survival, she can't dwell on it too much or she's going to be too distracted and die herself. Right. Because as we've seen, this world is very dangerous, yeah, very deadly. Mm-hmm. So she needs to be focused all the time. And like, she's taking her time to grieve. You don't like, she went out hunting on her own. Who well, no, like That could have been a very reflective time for her. 
You know? I imagine that anytime she's not talking, that's all she's thinking about. Oh, yeah. And I think, too, like in this kind of scenario, like living in the wild, that sort of thing. Death is always just around the corner. And I think that her relationship with her dad, it's probably very different from like a typical like father daughter relationship. Like mm -hmm. she was kind of like employed by him, which I don't think is a bad thing. Like she pulled her weight and she was a valuable asset, but it was, um, you know, I don't think that there were the typical, like, I'm going to help you ride a bike. And the first time you get your heart broken, I'm going to, you know, threaten to beat the person up who broke your heart or whatever dad's doing right. instances like that. I don't know. That's what my dad did. Um, <laughs> Throw I, knives at people's feet, you know, and bruise their faces by squeezing their nose. Yeah. <laughs> What happened to I Dan? Was, was on some kind of medication that time. Yeah. I mean, it's still weird though. <laughs> um, but I, what I'm saying is I don't know how like nurturing their relationship was. Yeah. You know, especially Dasta lost his wife when Cass was born. So who knows? Mm -hmm. Maybe he harbored like so much utility in the relationship. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And like, maybe he harbored some resentment. I don't know. I didn't really see much of that in his character from what we saw before you murdered yeah, him. Unfortunately, we didn't get to know him very well to yeah. find out that kind of stuff. Kind of like the Belcher family. Um, the and Bob's, Bob's burgers. burgers. Yeah. <laughs> Does, did he have more kids? Cause he wanted more kids or did he have more kids? Cause he needed more people to help run the burger shop. <laughs> I would assume Dasta had cast because he wanted to. Maybe he wanted more kids, but just never found another right. The right yeah. lady. Yeah, the right lady. But doesn't it was probably now. Dart. Him and Dart were probably right. It could have been. Oof. We don't Get know. it. We didn't see that too much. Get it. Cool. He got got by that void he tentacle. Did. Oof. Oh, void tentacle. Yeah. Nasty like Steve Irwin. And like worse. it burns things when it touches it too. Oof. Yeah. Like the two tentacles that grow off of um Lanny's head. She's just like Ahsoka. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. But yeah, so we got some more answers here. I know not the exact answers to questions Tim had a few episodes ago, but we, we learned a lot. Yeah. About yeah. the world here. Yeah, we yeah. still haven't found out how Joe lost that first spine, but <laughs> I have a feeling we'll get there. You gotta fit him in every episode, huh? Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. Keeps the spirit alive. I mean, he was in this episode, so. Oh, he did get mentioned. That's right. In the present tense, too. So, I mean, that, that means he's out there. Yeah, because she said Jork is a good orc. Yeah, Jork is, Jork is oh, yeah, one of the best know. orcs. <gasps> well, I, for, I didn't even pick up on that. Lainey doesn't know. Lainey doesn't know. She's just like Scotty. He don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like that I've been able to make that joke twice on different podcasts now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah so we learned a bit more about orcs and goblins, how they... We know they were void. We they've been called void spawn before, but they literally are created in the void and come into like this realm of existence to stay here. Yeah. And can you imagine being some like super dark, evil, uh, void summoner guy? And you're like, oh, I'm gonna summon this army of orcs, and you get like small business owner that wants to run a bar. And <laughs> Gives out free sweet nectars to kids. <laughs> right, so I purposely included Jork in the beginning as that character to show that the role of orcs and goblins in the world has significantly changed over time. Yeah. And now we know that we're talking about a thousand years of history. Right. 
How do we almost forgot to talk about that? We found out that Ronan's like a thousand years old. And he doesn't even know. Like, I don't know, somewhere between nine and eleven hundred. I was thinking when I was writing it and they were asking it and I was like, there's no way he knows how old he is. No, once you get up, I forget how old yeah. I am sometimes. Right. Yeah, for real. You're talking about in the hundreds. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I tried to think of what made sense to me. Like, where would you stop? Where would you lose count realistically? So I put like around 120 because like 100. Sure. You're going to remember when you turned 100. Like that's kind of yeah, a, big a big deal. The world hadn't totally fallen apart by then. But I don't know, man. Once you turn 21, does it really even matter? Anymore? Yeah, right. Like, who cares? 25. For to rent renting a car, a car that's stuff. Right. Yeah. That's what do the they call one. money in this world? Like, what's a dollar? Oh, we haven't seen anything with money at this point. Oh, okay. But can we call them the the Jorkos? <laughs> <laughs> now, in the RPG that I'm developing, that takes place in this world, actually, it takes place before this story, like before Ronan's time. Oh, kind of like the old Republic of Star Wars, but like before the world lost. The void war. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's money called guilting. Guilting. So that's actually super important. Okay. Uh, that's particular uh, particular term. So let's say, you know, just for instance, uh, money's called like cracker barrels now. And like, instead of, okay, instead of Ronan being like, oh, do you remember when bread was five cracker barrels? He's like, oh, I remember when bread was two guiltings. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? That's not <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay that's that's where i was trying to go with the joke but we didn't have a name for the current money yeah can you just give it give the listeners a spoiler and just tell us what current money's called it's still guilty oh, out in, like in the wilds oh, there they would All have right. the same stuff but in the cities it's the jorkos no oh jorkets like credits oh yeah there you go <laughs> no <laughs> i don't know uh, either way, I this this is one of my favorite chapters. I feel like I say that like every time because mm-hmm. of that world building there and yeah. the big revelation that he is literally ancient, at least you know, around a thousand years old. Yeah, the world's been and he talks about his failings have kind of caused the current situation in the world, which we don't know too much more. We know a little bit about that. There was that scene, the flashback of him. In the Void War, fighting against goblins on the beach, there was a flashback of him fighting against orcs in some tower, and then he fought. It left off just before he's going to fight the Goblin King, Scorn. Mm. We don't know too much about that. So, and I think the important part too is obviously why him and Lanny have a connection is all of the bad stuff that's currently happened is Lanny's fault, and the reason that there's evil in the world right now is Ronan's fault. So he was like, "Oh, this is someone that will bring constant misery to everyone around them." I, I like them. I'm glad they have my sword. It obviously signify or uh, Tonto. It obviously signifies her as a ruiner of people's happiness. <laughs> Just um, like me. That's, that's a little too true. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes, you know, just bad things happen. Yeah. yeah. No matter how hard you try for them not to, it still happens. Oof. Don't be annoyed by that void. Oh, I like that. Ooh, we got to yeah. put that on a shirt. <laughs> mm. I don't know about you guys, but I like to fill my void with ice cream. <laughs> I've been known to <laughs> fill a void with ice cream before. Yeah, that was chapter 13 tales. Next is chapter 14 is called set with two T's. Mm. Oh, two fingers for the two people looking at me right now. I know there's two T's it's called set. 
Uh, and to see what that's all about, what happens now that they're heading north to Ronan's house. Game, set, match. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. So big thanks to our friends down at Moe's Tavern. Now with electricity. Rock on Perth. Rock over Oslo. Preparation H. Think outside the bun. much for listening why don't you go and check out all the other great shows that the professional casual network has to offer including season one of the space between presents i saw a tiger which follows the netflix smash series tiger king and details the acid washed antics of joe exotic carol baskin jeff lowe as well as others this season we're taking a deep dark dive into the four-part netflix docuseries jeffrey epstein filthy rich a grim podcast of perilous adventure is the Professional Casual Network's Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay Actual Play podcast. We're playing through The Enemy Within, which is widely considered one of the best campaigns of any RPG. Join Dan as the GM, as Danny, Tim, Alexander P. Nelson, and JB try to survive the perils of the old world. And if you needed more deep dives, also check out The Space Between, which is a discussion and review of the best games, comics, and nerd movies of today and yesteryear. We also have Elite Eight Showdown, with high-octane host Big Chuck and his research team. Join him while he financially ruins his partner Tim and completes an eight-team tournament bracket that could be about anything and everything. Lastly, we have Professionally Asked, Casually Answered, a totally real, totally fake advice show where we take questions and topics from you, our listeners, and do our best not to completely ruin your lives. Danny, where could people follow us or ask us questions for Professionally Asked, Casually Answered? I'm so glad you asked that, Tim. You can go ahead and email us questions. Our email address is theprofessionalcasual at gmail.com. You can also follow us and message us on Instagram at theprofessionalcasual. On Facebook, we're facebook.com slash professionalcasual. Twitter, we're at top tier casual. Our website is theprofessionalcasual.com. On Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash professionalcasual. And you can also check out Lindsay's Instagram at lindsayfphotography, where you can check out all of her great photos of abandoned places and events. What are some other things that people could find on our Patreon, Danny? They can find Sarah's doodles. They can find different vlogs. They can find lots of polls. I know Big Chuck's got a ton of stuff up there. It's all just a wild time. Extra bonus content, all of those things. 